just to appreciate them this day. Now today is Remembrance Sunday, and we are going to focus on that, but in a very different way. And this morning the message is going to be quite different to what we normally do and have. So if you are expecting the regular, it's not going to be quite like that. The title of uh, the message I want to speak to you this morning is called, Lest We Forget Jesus. Lest We Forget Jesus. And you'll see why that title has been chosen a little bit later on. Now, I want to read two parts of Scripture to us, and you'll see why I've chosen these in a short while. Luke 22, verse 19 says this, And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And 1 Corinthians 11, 24 to 25, And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me of me. Now, I wonder if I could get some willing helpers to, Andy, could you organize the, stack these boxes just along the front of the stage here, each side, please. The boxes are for later. There used to be a quiz show where you either took some money or you opened the box. Uh, you don't get any money this morning, you're going to open the box. That's, that's the idea later. But what's in the box is more precious than money. So we'll find out a bit later. Thank you. Okay. On the 12th of December, there's going to be a general election. And the results of that election will affect all of us sitting in this room here, probably more deeply and more profoundly than we can even imagine right now. It will affect our lives, our lifestyles. It will affect the whole character of this nation. It will affect our identity in this nation. And it will massively affect our faith and our freedoms to live out our faith and tell it to others. So today, for a short while, we're going to look at what we're to make of this and what God is saying to us prophetically through the Holy Spirit now as we approach this key time in the destiny of our nation and actually in all of your lives as well. None of you will have lived through in this nation anything as profound or as significant or as life-impacting upon your freedoms and faith as this forthcoming general election. So this matters to all of us. This is really key. And God is speaking to us. Now let me explain how God is speaking to us. First of all, we're going to look at a prophetic word that God spoke to us back in 2015. I'm going to put it on the screen here and remind us what was in it. We read this out from the front. Perhaps we could put the boxes a bit lower if we can see past. Can you put that text of that up there? Well, do our best to to read it past the objects on the stage. Before there was 
ever a Brexit, before there was ever a referendum in public, before it had even been thought about or spoken about, this prophecy came to us. And we read it out, and it was so significant to us, we took a number of steps at the time to seek to do what this word was saying. So let's read it again. There needs to be a great clearing out in your lives, a great purging and removal of sin. Removal vans taking away sin and debauchery, sinful goods and wares, the hardware of infidelity, my people unfaithful and in affairs. Without me in the midst, you can do nothing. Practice my presence. Remember that phrase. We're going to come back to that one. Take me into every place you go, not one foot in one camp and one in the other. Do not be lukewarm, my children. You are neither hot nor cold. I'm calling you out of sin and infidelity, out of the land of Canaan and into the promised land. The time is coming. The time is short. This is urgent and emergency. I'm calling out with great urgency. Hear my fatherly warning. Make bold steps. Shake yourselves before you are shaken. Rise up and be ready, says the Lord. Something urgent is coming. A great battle, and yet you are sleeping. Awake. You are not called to be the rear, but the vanguard, the protectors, the sharp edge, the two-edged sword in your mouths, the pioneers, the cut and thrust. Be on guard. Could you not watch and pray for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Listen to my voice carefully. Write down what I say to you and do it. Do not delay. The future of your nation hangs in the balance. Remember that phrase in a moment as well. You must fight for it. Marriages are on the verge of collapse. Pray that sin is revealed before it's too late. Take heart, my children. There is a light ahead, a new kind of living, real life, real breakthrough, real vision, real faith, real prosperity, real multiplication, the real deal. All that I died to apprehend for you is at your disposal. So stop using blunt instruments, weapons, and words. Sharpen up. Get in gear. Get ready. I'm on the move. Change is coming. Change in the people. Changing roles. See, I will do this quickly. Without apology, I am on the move by my spirit. Be awake. Be listening. Don't delay. Make the changes. Before any of the last three years came to this nation, God spoke to us in a prophetic word and told us something was waiting in the wings to happen. We made various responses at the time to this prophetic word. We prayed over it. We did what the Bible says with this and the other prophetic words I'm going to give you in a moment. We weighed it. That means we prayed about it and said, God, is this from you? If it's from you, how much of it's from you? How much are you speaking through? Is recently, I went through this word and some of these other words we've had recently with Pastor Cesar in Colombia to weigh it again. And everyone that hears these words is sure this is the voice of the Spirit of God. When, when Pastor Cesar and I, when I went through these words with Pastor Cesar, he said to me that he said, I feel God is speaking to you, your leaders, your nation at this time. Actually, the middle word that came from Risa, he said, I feel that speaking not just to your church, but to the whole G12 movement in the whole world. So he made me read it out to all his leaders uh, the following day as well. So there's a real sense that in these words, the Spirit of God is speaking sharply, clearly 
to us as a nation. Now, let me try and put some context to that. Back uh, in the 1970s, the Spirit of God was moving in this nation to raise up a new kind of church or new kinds of churches. Those churches were Spirit-filled, discipleship churches in homes, just like the book of Acts. You've heard us preaching about this week after week after week from Sally now. And we came into those churches in the 1970s. And while we were in those churches, probably about the end of the 70s, beginning of the 1980s, a prophetic word was given somewhere. And I don't remember who or how, but I remember it very clearly. It came from the book of Hebrews. And the prophetic word says, said this, anything that can be shaken will be shaken. And the text in Hebrews was at the end of Hebrews 11, which says, but we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And at that time, a guy brought out a book, and everybody read it for the title. It was quite hard going, the book, actually. But the, set, the book title was this, The Unshakable Kingdom, The Unchanging Person. When you and I are based wholly, completely, totally, and only in the kingdom of God, we will be unshakable and unchanging. And in the face of a world that's facing all kinds of challenges and shaking, the only thing that's left unshaken will be the kingdom. Now, since those times, we have seen shaking in the world on an unprecedented scale. We have seen what they're celebrating this week, the collapse of communism in this old Soviet Union, and the Berlin Wall came crashing down. Some of us were alive at that time and can remember it. Looking around the youthful faces of many of you, you either weren't alive or you don't remember it because you were too young. To me, it's like only yesterday. To you, it's like another age, I'm sure. Colin, it was just yesterday, wasn't it? That's right. Glad somebody's with me. Um, We've seen unprecedented shaking in other areas. The world banking system, the world financing system. Do you remember people queuing up outside Northern Rock to take their money out? All that crap. Do you remember your mortgage rates going up and down? You don't know what was happening. We've seen shaking in all parts of the world. We've seen the so-called Arab Spring where the whole system of uh, government democracy in the Middle East has gone haywire. We've seen other parts of the world and the systems and the institutions that they rely on come crashing down. We've even seen the church in various forms go through shaking as well, the institutional church and all the scandals that have come out that have been covered up over the years and now in the news. And it's not just the institutional church. The evangelical church in America has had a series of scandals with television evangelists and preachers suddenly being found out for their double lifestyles. We have seen shaking after shaking after shaking of governments, of institutions, of nations, of continents, and There is more going on, and right now the shaking has come to you and me. The shaking has come to the British Isles. Our parliament is the oldest parliament in the world, and here it is in front of everybody, exposed, humiliated, embarrassed, and the same with our political parties. Our two main political parties have been torn apart from inside, shaken at the roots. Did you know the Conservative Party are connected to the old Tory party? They're slightly different. They're called the same, but they're not actually. But historically, that's the oldest political party in the world, tearing itself apart from the inside. People for a long time have been trusting in the institutions, the organizations, the, 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 the bodies that men have set up. 
and suddenly it's all come tumbling down. Whether it's the Berlin Wall, whether it's Parliament in this country or the political parties and everything else. There has never, ever been a time like this in my living memory. And I, tr- and I trust you can understand that's years and years and years and years. Now, at one point, Jesus appears in Nazareth and he opens a scripture and he says to them, Today, in your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled. And we don't believe it. We've been waiting for it for so many years that it's come and we can't accept it. I want to say to you today, it's happening now. What you've thought about, what you've heard about, what you've caught wind of in the spirit, it's here now. This is it. It's happening. This is that time, this is that day when God has entered into judgment and dealings with our nation. And the institutions and the bodies we or our nation has trusted in have all come tumbling down. Anything that can be shaken will be shaken. And that goes for anything from parliament, the big institutions, to our own individual personal lives. But remember, we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Everything in your life that is the kingdom of God, I promise you this, it will not be shaken. It will not move. It will not let you down. It will not crumble. Anything in our lives that is not the kingdom, that will not withstand the shaking. If you don't get anything else out of this morning's message than this, weed out, sift out, get rid of everything that's not the kingdom because we're in an unprecedented time of shaking. And that's, that's kind of the spirit of this prophecy, isn't it? We went round. We talked to every married couple here. Marriages are under attack. Do you know? Marriages are still under attack right now, even in this church. Some of you have got difficulties and struggles, and we are with you in those struggles to strengthen you because we believe in good marriages, in strong marriages, and restored marriages in the Lord. If you're struggling and we don't know about it, please come and say, we will not condemn you, we will not judge you, we will help you and support you in every way we can, because there's an attack against you. It's not just that you've fallen out with your spouse. There's more to it than that. And it's the same in the nation. It's not just that there's Brexit tearing the nation apart. There's more to it than that. There is a spiritual reality behind Brexit. And that's what we're seeking to speak about, look at, address with the prophetic this morning. Can you hear that? Okay, now listen, I'm not trying to offend anybody's political views here, but I hope your Christianity informs your politics. I hope there's not a gap between the Bible you read and the politics you believe in and you can follow. Because anything that's not the kingdom will be shaken, including politics and politicians as we're seeing right now. Okay, are you still breathing? Okay. One of the phrases that was used in that passage is hanging in the balance. Do you know a few weeks ago, that's what it said on the news. The nation's future is hanging in the balance. Listen, you heard it here first before anybody knew this was going to happen. It came prophetically to us. It's there in this prophecy given on the 4th of August in 2015. It was from Andy Charlton. I I couldn't find a picture of him, but I thought this guy might represent a sort of a a vaguely youngish version of Andy there. So, so, yeah, he looks like a cool young version of you, doesn't he, Andy? So, you know, I sort sort of... That's right, you're still young and cool, but he's even younger and cooler. Anyway, since they make lots of jokes about my age, I thought I would get my own back. Now listen, for once, the newspapers and the Bible are in agreement. 
For once the newspapers and the news and the Spirit of God are in agreement, our nation's future is hanging in the balance. It's hanging by a thread, and it's all going to come into being in these next few weeks. And we'll say more about that time and how we can respond to it. Now, since this time, the Lord has been busy prophesying to us. We had this tremendous word from Risa about Jonah and all that that was calling us to, to really be renewed in the vision God has given us and to go for that vision and that expression of the great commission that God has given us to follow. It's important in God's eyes that we really do follow the vision he's given us. And then just after that, Andy was being troubled by God again with another prophetic word. And I'm going to read you a chunk of this. It was a long word, um, but I'm going to make a long word into just a bit less long. Here's some bits taken out of Andy's word. Can I consider a question? This was given on the 23rd of July this year. So this is before the, the Boris Johnson declared Brexit deadline or the extension deadline of October the 31st. Have we ever thought why God gave that prophetic word to us in 2015? I mean, really considered why we, International Harvest Church Newcastle, received it. It's become increasingly clear to me that it points towards Brexit. Not, not me, me, him, him or the spiritual reality behind Brexit, which is far bigger than just a political and economic process as we know, and the associated upheaval in leadership in our nation and beyond. This was most impacting for me when I woke through the night in our hotel room at the G12 conference in 2015 to look at what was happening in the referendum count. If you remember, we were in the G12 conference the day before, was the Thursday, and the, on that day, leaders got together and Pastor Caesar led us in prayer for Brexit. He told us how to pray in a way that would change nations. He told us how they had prayed in their own presidential elections. He told us how this kind of prayer had changed election results in other countries. So we prayed the power of Jesus' blood over Brexit. And against all the odds against all the expectations, the leave vote won. Now, nobody was expecting that, least of all me. I mean, we prayed God's will will be done. We weren't trying to be political. We were seeking what God wants for our nation. And to our stunned shock and surprise that next morning, leave had won. And Andy's commenting on that here. The BBC had shown the, the relative, uh, relative count as a pair of scales, just very slightly over to the leave side. And immediately the word came back to me, the future of your nation hangs in the balance. Why has God given us this word? If this word is of such national importance, why would God give it to us? Why didn't he give it to the Archbishop of Canterbury or the leader of a big denomination or new church or something like that? Why didn't God give this prophetic word to somebody who is able to send it to the whole country and influence public policy? Why Give that word to us. And he said, I dig the word out every now and again to see if any more of it's happened. Waiting, hoping, believing that the last part of it will come to pass. Do you remember the promise at the end of that prophetic word? We faithfully did all the stuff at the start, I hope. Repentance, clearing out of wrong images and infidelity, clearing out and saving marriages. 
But do you remember the end of it? The light ahead, real life, real breakthrough, real vision, real multiplication, the real deal. We know that when God speaks, he says things exactly as he wants them. What is the deal that's going on in our nation at the moment? Brexit? Yes, but this is not the real deal. The real deal is heavenly in the spirit. And we have been offered it in this prophetic word. It's revival, multiplication, growth, prosperity, life. This is undoubtedly a prophetic word about what is happening to us and our nation right now. Remember the warning in it. Something is coming, a great battle, and yet you are sleeping. Wake up. How timely in the light of Sally's word when she spoke about Jonah being asleep in the boat just a few weeks ago. But this word has been, for want of a better phrase, in my back pocket. I remember it from time to time and say to God, I believe it, and it will come to pass and pray some of the phrases in it. But in general, I'm waiting for it to happen. I have believed it's an observation about our history and that once all those things happen, some sort of revival will break out in our nation connected to whatever happens in the spiritual realm with the change in our nation status. And then, however ready we are as a church and IHC for our part in things, we will inherit some of the blessings of this time. But that's not what the word says. God spoke a sentence to me and I felt like my eyes suddenly saw and a veil was lifted. He said this to me, you are not waiting for this word it is waiting for you and suddenly I believe I saw the whole reality of it we're not waiting for this word and indeed the spiritual process behind Brexit to happen to our nation no it is waiting for us and when I say us I don't mean the church in the UK though actually I do think it means that in the end I mean here in this church we're not yet ready and it's not yet happened. Do you ever look at the Brexit process and think, this looks like it's never going to end? If this was the life of one of our disciples, and they'd been trying to do something for three years, and still not managed to accomplish it, we would say there was an argument against it in the Spirit. Pastor Caesar would say, find the argument, and remove it with the Holy Spirit's help. But I believe we have a solution to this stuck situation. It's not found in any prime minister or any political party. It's here in this word from God. I believe uh, we, should not we should implement the changes God is saying to us to make sure we're a full G12 vision church. Then God will, if we don't do that, then God will delay the events that this word tells us about. If we're still not ready by October the 31st or December the 31st or whenever, or whenever it will hold back from happening. I don't know why we're the people that will trigger these events. Why us? A numerically not very large church in Newcastle. I don't know, but I believe it's true. And it's thrilling, exhilarating to know it. We in this team are the cutting edge of what's about to happen to our nation. Could this really be true? What did the 2015 word tell us that we're called to be? Not the rear, but the vanguard, the small group of people who pioneer the movement. The fact is, if the vanguard are not ready... Nobody moves forward. After God revealed this to me, I felt him say one other thing. And I was thinking, wow, Lord, how is this so? How amazing. Then immediately in my heart, I felt I had the answer from the Spirit. God does not want this next era of our nation's history to be opened up and begun by a political leader. He does not want any earthly appointed leader to lead the spiritual vanguard. He wants his church 
following Jesus to lead our nation out into the new era that we're about to enter. He wants us to be the ones that take the action, strike the real deal, that's the deal in the spirit, and release us into God's purposes and plans. Do you get the sense there? Natural government is dependent upon spiritual government. That's the principle God is trying to say to us. He is saying to us that he does not want this nation to go forward politically until it goes forward spiritually. Now, that was spoken in July. And when when Andy shared that with us, I thought, we're never going to get a deal on the 31st of October. I know the prime minister is saying, I'm going to push this through. And it's not going to happen. Do you know why it's not going to happen? Because spiritual government has not been set in place first. Now, you might think that's crazy, fanciful for a little group of people up here in the Northeast to say that. Well, I would say two things to you there. Firstly, God is with us. He's clearly speaking. Secondly, everybody knows Newcastle's the center of the universe. So we're not just in the back of nowhere. If you don't know that, well, you know it now. We'll send that on a postcard to the, to the prime minister, maybe, just so he's aware. Listen. The natural is going to follow the spiritual. If we don't get something together here and in the other G12 church in this nation and in the church in general, this state of confusion is going to continue. That's what the prophetic word is saying. Well, it's been right so far, hasn't it? Everything that's been spoken in these words has been 100% spot on so far. Well done, Andy. Well done, Holy Spirit, through Andy and others. Brothers and sisters, the nation's future is hanging in the balance. And it depends largely on you as to what's going to happen. Can you believe that? I'll tell you how practically in a moment and what we can do. It's not just a matter of turning up here week by week on a Sunday and thinking, I'm going to IHC. If IHC is somewhere you come to, you've lost it. You're not there. IHC is something you be, not you come to. If you be the church and you be the vision, then we can do this. If you turn up or come to a meeting, that won't do it. It's not engaged or involved enough. And the prophetic words have been calling us to really take hold of and embrace this vision that God has given us. And we'll say what that is again, just remind us shortly. Let me reiterate, the spiritual future of the nation has to lead this process. And God is holding up the political process until we don't hold him up anymore. The word is waiting for us. We're not passively able to sit here and say, well, I hope God does something. It's time for us to do something. Today, in your hearing, the words are fulfilled. This is it. The time has arrived. The events are with us now. The call is on us now, here, today. You can't go away the same after this. This is it. This is that moment. We've all been waiting for, I trust. Spiritual government is key. How does spiritual government 
actually represent itself. In the Bible, it's very simple. Spiritual government came into being when 12 brothers had 12 families. And again, in the New Testament, it came into being when Jesus chose 12 disciples and taught them to do what he did. And today, what's going to win the nation is the same pattern and principle. Ordinary people, empowered by God, equipped by God, who are overcoming in life and daring to believe that God can and will use them. You're the future of the nation, not the people that are going to take up seats in Parliament. You're Word counts more than the people who are going to be standing on soapboxes and declaring their policies to the multitudes. It's down to us. You matter more than the politicians. Your quality of life, your quality of home life, your quality of marriage, your quality of relationship with God, your belief, your daring to believe that God could actually bring his kingdom, his government to the earth through you and a team of people. If you can believe that, You are the answer to the problem. You are actually the sharp end of the spear. You are the vanguard. You are the ones that are going to go through the door first. You are the ones that are going to say, a different age in God is upon us. I want to just move on to share with you the third prophecy for today. Many of you will know Pastor Ian Nundy. Ian and Julie Nundy lead a G12 church in Leeds, I was there other day, couldn't understand where they were saying. Sorry, Jen, but she's done the children's work. Last, Thursday night, last Friday, we met together as leaders of our circle of vision churches in the country. And during the night, the Lord woke Pastor Ian and spoke to him. I'm going to share with you what he Uh, what he heard God say to him. Pastor Ian said he'd been asleep only about an hour or so when God woke him. And we have the next slide up, please. When he looked at the clock, it was somewhere between 12, 20, 12, 30, and 1. And he felt the Lord speak to him about Remembrance Day, which is today. And he said, on Remembrance Day, you remember all those who died in wars to keep the nation free. All those who sacrificed their lives so you could have life. The life you're now living and enjoying. And then he felt the Lord say to him, remember Jesus, who gave his life for all mankind that everyone could be eternally free, free from sin, free from their past lives, free from the condemnation of the enemy. And then he felt the Lord say, how do we remember Jesus and his death for us? What do we have or do that reminds us of Jesus' death and resurrection? Communion, bread and wine, that's right. At some point, he said, it may be that he noticed the time on the clock. 
And he got these two numbers in his head, 12 and 32. And he felt the Lord say the following things to him. 12 is the number of government. And 32, that's how many days are left from Remembrance Sunday to the general election. And so he actually got his Bible, he got his diary out and counted it. And it's true, from, from after today, there are 32 days left till the general election. And then he felt the Lord say to him, it's not too late. There is still time to make a difference. So he felt God also reminds him of the other phrase that they use on Remembrance Sunday, which is, lest we forget. And he felt God say, we have forgotten. As a nation, we have forgotten Jesus. So our strategy, our approach, our response at this time is not to forget Jesus. How do, what is one clear scriptural way to remember Jesus? Communion. He felt the Holy Spirit say to him, now take those numbers, 12 and 32, and look at 1 Chronicles 12, 32. So he did. This is what it says. From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. We have preached this verse in the past. This is a verse that tells us the heart, the spirit the mentality of the Christian life lived out through the G12 vision. Because in this list, it tells you in the whole chapter, and I recommend you go home and read the chapter sometime. It's a fascinating chapter. It tells you all the men that turned up with David. You see, before this time, David was in a cave with 300 people who were distressed, in debt, and they were downcast. 300 ordinary people whose lives were not together. But by this time, something had changed. Now the people are coming to him. And they're saying, David, we want to fight with you. David, your government is the government our nation needs. And the guys from Issachar turn up. Now it says, tens of thousands from this tribe, tens of thousands from that tribe. And it says, Issachar only brought 200 people. Where's the thousands? Well, they're not just any old 200 people. Every one of them was a chief. A chief. Now, what do 200 chiefs represent? Well, if they've got 10 guys with them each, that's 2,000. If they've got 100 guys with them each, that's 20,000. Suddenly the numbers start to stack up. And it says not only that, all their relatives came with them as well. These are people who had others with them, and their families were one as well. Listen, that is the G12 vision. That is what Pastor says has been preaching for 20 years. And do you know what? In the early days, people poo-pooed it all. Other church leaders wrote it off. I've been there when they physically done that and actually heard them say it. Now they're writing books and saying, we've really got to make disciples and win the multitudes. All you can get these days from Christian leaders are books that say, multitudes, disciples, multitudes, disciples, make disciples, win the multitudes, make disciples, win the multitudes. Everybody is singing from the same hymn sheet at last. That's how you do it. These are 200 chiefs, disciple makers. Now, the question is, do you see yourself as a chief? Do you see yourself as a chief? Do you see yourself as a chief? 
John, you are our chief, you see. That's the John Musa Kamara. Now turn to the person next to you and say to them, are you a chief? Now tell them that they are a chief. You are a chief. And I'm a chief too. Listen, we can do 200 chiefs without too much trouble. And those chiefs are different. They're different than all the other people that turned up to serve David because of one thing. They understood the times and they knew what to do for the sake of the nation. Now, I ask you again, who today understands the times and knows what to do for the nation? You do. Because in 2015, God told you before it would happen. You're the chiefs. You're the ones that know. You are the men and women of Issachar. And the call on you through the vision is to come with your relatives and come with your people and be those chiefs and make a difference for the nation so that you understand what's going on and you know what to do. And we'll go on and tell you how we can make a difference right now. Ian felt that the number 12 in the reference of 1 Chronicles 12 was that number of government in the Bible. And as I said before, the 32 stood for the 32 days, counting from tomorrow until we get to the general election. And he felt the Lord say to him, because there's still time to... Make every one of those 30 days a remembrance day for Jesus. For 32 days, he felt the Lord say to him, take communion. As an individual, as a household, as a a city group or cell group in the church, as a whole church, as a family, whatever format you do it in, every one of those 32 days, take the bread and wine. Now, remember the word in 2015, it said, practice the presence of God. And he felt the Lord say that as you take the bread and wine, use it as an opportunity to remember Jesus on behalf of the nation, to pray over the nation the power of the blood and death and resurrection of Jesus, to bring that sense of holiness, godliness, Salvation, redemption through Jesus' blood, remembered through the communion over the nation. Do that every day for 32 days. Wow. We like it or not, have been called to do something first before anybody else. You sitting here have been called, I believe, along with other churches that share the same vision for disciples, for families, for disciple-making and multiplication, to see ourselves as chiefs, to throw off everything else that says you're not, You have been called. The word came to you in 2015. It didn't come from me as the pastor. It came from the Holy Spirit. And it's been tested 
and tested and tested and proven to be true. God is speaking to you today. Sharpen up. Wake up. Stop doing church the way you used to do it because that's not the way. Old ways have got to go. Old thinking, old mentality, old things. Say, I can do church like this and it will do. Well, it won't do for God. I'm sorry, this morning God is picking on you. Please, I'm not picking on you. This is your heavenly father who loves you and loves your nation. He's calling you today to do something different, to be something different, to see yourself as something different. 12.32 has arrived. The clock has clicked around. It's here this morning. You either walk out the door and embrace it or walk out the door and say, no, this isn't it, like they did in Nazareth. But one way or the other, this is that moment. Can we do it? Can we rise to the challenge? Can we hear the call of God? Can we understand that God is re-emphasizing our role? Can we say amen to the prophetic, to the two words from Andy, to Rice's word to us about Jonah and about Abraham, to Pastor Ian's word that God spoke to him? Can we say amen to that and let it touch our hearts? Now, I just want to summarize for you on the screen so that you can remember something from this, to, um, what it is God wants to get out of us. And I've taken four letters, V-O-T-E, which seem to me to relate to election in some way, votes. The first one is vanguard. We are called to really, really, really understand in our hearts, in our minds, and all our lives and get on board with this vision and be first through the door. Old. Get rid of the old, including old sin, but also old ways of thinking about how church is and what my place is in it. If you've come from a church background that says women don't preach on Sundays, get rid of that old mentality. If you've come from a church background that says women can't lead anything, get rid of that old mentality. I'm serious. I, I can't believe how much of that is out there. And that's just one bit of it. I won't tell you who, but a few years ago we had a pastor from a well-known denomination visitors. He was shocked because a woman was preaching that morning. What? That shocks you. You don't have that sort of thing in our church. Well, we're not in your church, so just enjoy. <laughs> twelve. We've got to get twelve nationally and locally. I'm going to tell you something more about that in a moment. Experience the presence of God Pray and remember. Now, that first prophetic word in 2015 called us to pray. Could you not watch and pray for one hour? Do you notice in the Garden of Gethsemane how much the enemy tries to stop the disciples praying for an hour? And remember, could we take communion, all of us, every day for 32 days, just for a few minutes, and in that time, pray for our nation. You can do this with your breakfast. You can make it a Brexit breakfast or whatever you want to call it. And you can pray for the nation and break bread. Or you can do your evening meal. Often in the early church, they broke bread and took wine with their meals. You can make it like part of being together as a family. 
pray for the nation. So there it is, vote. Vanguard, old, 12, experience. Now, let me go back to one more thing, and then we're going to do something practically. What does 12 mean in all of this? The number 12 is at the heart of the G12 vision. As we said, it's in the Bible. It represents God's government. Another word for government is kingdom. Now, the New Testament is full of references about the kingdom of God. It's the number one word Jesus uses to talk about what he is teaching and what he's bringing to earth. And the apostle Paul uses it to sum up all of his teaching. He calls it the kingdom of God. And that's another word for government. The other morning, uh, Andy, again in very prophetic mode, was sharing this with us. When Israel was founded, it was founded on how many families, how many tribes? Now, here are these brothers growing up, and Joseph, the most godly and anointed of them all, at 17, has visions from God. Can you see how visions and dreams are part of 12? And the minute he speaks those dreams out, what happens? The enemy comes and removes him, so there's not a 12. Can you see that? There is a spiritual warfare against getting 12 guys or 12 women together in God. Can you see that? It is heavily contested and for in, the, in the spiritual realms. And for years, the enemy took Joseph out of the picture. And God had to do an incredible work of the spirit and circumstances to get that 12 back together. Otherwise, we'd have had the 11 tribes of Israel. You'd all have had to learn your 11 times table instead of your 12 times table or whatever. And then Jesus comes along and he gets 12 together. And what happens just before he dies? The enemy takes one of them out. And we're back to the 11 again. Can you see how 12 gets contested? It's not just a fanciful number. Something about it rings the bell in hell and looses the attack of the enemy. What do they do after the Holy Spirit's poured out? What's the first thing they do? Or before the Holy Spirit's poured out, sorry. That, what do they do after Jesus goes into heaven and ascends, leaves them behind? The first thing they do is repair and restore 12. And then the Holy Spirit comes. That, that's, that's the story in the Bible. Now, I have to tell you, as a pastor, I'm a fairly examining kind of pastor. So people come to me with prophetic stuff sometimes, and sometimes I get on board with them. Sometimes I'm thinking, hmm, this is a bit sort of um, subjective, a bit, well, you know, it's not really anchored in anything. I mean, where's that in the Bible? I test all these things, and I take some convincing. I remember Pastor Mike Bickle, who... Uh, leads the International House of Prayer Movement, talking to me and telling me about this once and saying, you know, he said, these, when, when the Kansas City Prophets guys, they were going some years ago, they all came to him, they would sit there and say, the moon and the, and the stars and the horse and the light. And so, it's all very interesting. I don't understand any of it. <laughs> but he ends up as their pastor. <laughs> anyway, I could be very, like Pastor Mike, you're examining all this stuff. I've got to make real sense of this for real people in their real lives. So when I say to you that I do take this seriously, you understand I'm not given to just saying, oh, well, that obviously means that. I don't work like that. That obviously doesn't mean that to me. I test and I weigh and I sift and I refine and I hold these things before the Lord. 
But this time round, I do feel there is significance in this number. What day is the election on? What month is it in? Do you want it any clearer than that? They were trying to change it to the ninth, weren't they? I knew it was never going to change. I mean, I know that sounds fast, but they're never they're going to get this on the twelfth. Now that might say, oh, that's just coincidence, is it? Is it really? Could it be that God could just so organize things that he's saying something to us even through the date? I leave that question with you. For me, it's landing with me. Let me tell you something else. Behind the scenes, we have for some while wanted to get together a team of 12 leaders in the G12 vision in this country. And guess what? It's not been easy. For one day, in the, ever since we ever came across this idea of being chiefs, of working together and bringing our, our people and our, our families and our relatives like the man of Issachar and really growing through cells and every one of you being a leader, we, we have worked with this for quite a few years now. And ever since we've heard of this, for one day only has there ever been 12 in the UK. And the very weekend that 12 was declared, the enemy let loose all of his forces against it and it was smashed within a day. That's what happened. We were asked to join Pastor Caesar's 12 in this country. We stepped into that on Saturday and by Sunday it was all gone. It lasted less than 24 hours or 24 hours at most. Can you see why? It's not just a fanciful, convenient number. Something was loosed against us at that time, and since then we've been nowhere. Well, back in June, if you were in the conference, you will know Pastor Caesar challenged us all as leaders to grow that 12. So, possibly unknown to you, we've been working behind the scenes to do that. Sally and I have been traveling around the country visiting churches and pastors. Pastor Caesar challenged us all to bring another couple along so we would make five into ten. That's a good start, isn't it? We're having a decimal version of G12, G decimal. You know. No, we want to get to 12, but one each. Anyway, the other pastors have been working. Last Friday we met, we had more in the room. We had five of us there plus two new people. <laughs> One, set of, one other new set of people were going to come along, but at the last minute, they work in the health service. Because there was sickness in the hospital, they had to cover shifts for people who were off sick. So we would have had three more new people there. That would have taken us from five to eight. Suddenly, we're over halfway. We've got to eight. We are going to meet two days before the 12th of the 12th. We want you to pray for us that we can have those extra four people by then. We're making it our priority to work at that we can go through the door. And I tell you what, if we get them... I believe you'll see a decisive result on the 12th of the 12th. And if we don't, well, who knows? <laughs> Yet more of the last three years, possibly. So will you please pray for us? If you will take up this challenge to remember Jesus, apply his blood over the nation, and do that for the next 32 days from tomorrow. I'm going to help you with that in a moment in two ways. Then 
pray for us on that day. Now, I'm going to jump forward two slides, if I can, to the last one, please, Nathan. Go to number 10. This is what we're going to ask us to do. Break bread every day for 32 days, and each time apply the blood of Jesus over the nation and pray for these things. Spiritual government be raised up, including a national 12 of pastors and leaders in our G12 movement. Now, to help you with your communion, we're going to give you the International Harvest Church anointed communion kit here, (laughs) which consists of a pack of Vimto still with no added sugar and three Jacob's cream crackers. You are going to become a mobile communion chieftain. Take it with you, break bread, and people will think you're crackers. Take it anyway. Now, there's enough for at least one per household and maybe everybody here, and make sure the, the, the children's workers get some as well. This is to start you off. In a moment, we're going to take communion, and we're going to put on the screen some things to pray for. We're going to ask you to, Karis and Ben are going to come up and organize us for that so that you, you, you do that, potentially in cells, I think we want to do, or city groups to do that. But take this away with you. I don't see any left here when I go. Well, I want to take one for me so I can take it. We're away for a few days from, from this afternoon. But... Here it is, your mobile presence of God kit, how to pray in, how to pray in the presence of God into your own life and into the nation. Amen. I don't want to disappoint you, Colin, can I just bring yours personally? There you go. Extra anointing on that one. Now, the election on the 12th of the 12th is to produce God's results and bring in a better, more godly form of government. Remember, it's not too late. We have time if we get ourselves together now to affect this. And by the way, when you take communion every day, cleanse yourself by the blood of Jesus. Ask God to forgive you daily, to wash away your own sin, and then pray for the nation. And be led. If God leads you to pray for the, the nation, pray for the nation. Pray for the sin of the nation. Ask God to forgive the nation. Now, on the 10th of December, we said, there's going to be a meeting for us down in Windsor, and we're going to be praying for four hours for the nation, but you're not escaping. Uh, we, in all our churches throughout the nation, we are going to pray for two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening. Seven till nine in the morning, seven till nine in the evening. We want to ask every one of you now in your own mind, to commit at least one of those four hours to coming here, breaking bread on that day here in the building and praying for the nation. One of those four hours should work for you. Amen? That's what we want to ask you. Now, if you can come for more, by all means, come for more. But if you can at least give us an hour, because that was the the original prophetic word, please give us an hour on that day to pray two days before the election. Let me ask you, do you want there to be a change in the nation? Do you want there to be a change in atmosphere uh, right across the board? I think you do. Or do you want three more years like the last three years? No, I don't think anybody wants three more years like the last three years. So there it is. That's what we believe God is saying to us prophetically. As leaders and leadership teams, we need your help. As a people here in Newcastle, God has singled us out to speak these things to prophetically. So you must be special. 
and a real chief. Please say to the person next to you, you're special and a chief.